Philippians 2. We're continuing our little Christmas series through Philippians 2, 5 through 11. So that's what we're doing for a few weeks here in December. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. The sermon this morning is going to be focused in on verse 7. We did 5 and 6 last week. Um, but I'm going to read. I'm going to read all of 5 through 11 here. So Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Here's God's word. It says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we, we thank you that you have sent the Spirit of your, that you have sent your Spirit into our hearts so that we can cry, Abba, Father. We thank you that we are sons, and if we are sons, then we are heirs. We thank you for your many wonderful and precious promises. We pray that you would help us as we look into your word this morning. Pray that you would help me. Pray that you'd give um, grace and strength. Pray that you would um, be with all of us as we seek to, by your grace, submit to your word, to believe it, to rejoice in it. Please show us the glory of Christ this morning. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So our verse today is verse 7, right? So, so verse 6 says, Jesus Christ was in the form of God. He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. And today's verse, verse 7, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Jesus Christ emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. This is um, this emptying himself. This is the incarnation. This verse is about when the eternal Son of God took on flesh. He became human. The Son of God is the only person ever to choose to be born. He's the only person ever to choose to be born. The Son of God had already existed for all of eternity past, and then He chose to become human. So He emptied Himself. Emptying Himself here does not mean for a moment that He, he laid aside His deity. 
that he somehow became less God. He stopped being God in any way. Emptying himself here means that he took on something. Not that he subtracted something, but that he took on something. He became human. He continued to be God, and he became human. So the incarnation is that he is now one person with two natures. He is fully God and fully human. He is not God in a costume. Um, it's not like Jesus is, is, is like Batman. People, nobody ever asks, has, have, nobody's ever asked me if Jesus is like Batman, but if they ever do, I'm ready. I'm most of the theological answers I have are for questions that no one is asking. Just me. But if you ever do wonder, is Jesus like Batman? No, he's not. The story of Batman, of course, is Bruce Wayne. Um, he is a millionaire by day, right? He does all the millionaire stuff around town. But then when crime in Gotham City gets really bad, Bruce Wayne goes down into the Batcave and and he gets those special footy pajamas or whatever, and he gets his costume, he gets his mask, and he gets all of his weapons and his Batmobile, and he goes out and he fights crime, right? He's still Bruce Wayne, he's just dressed up different. That's, a, if that's what we're thinking as far as the Son of God, that he is, he's just kind of dressed up like a human, we're missing it. The Son of God became fully human. He wasn't playing a part. He wasn't just dressing up. He wasn't God in a costume. He became human. Jesus Christ is both God and man. One person with two complete and distinct natures. So he didn't empty himself by becoming less God. He emptied himself by becoming man. Not by subtracting, but by adding, by taking something on. So the sermon this morning is going to be simple. Uh, we're just going to say, how did Christ empty himself? How did he empty himself? And then our two points are going to come right from the next two phrases. So you can either like take notes or you can kind of just underline what it says in your Bible. He emptied himself, one, by taking the form of a servant, and two, by being born in the likeness of men. This is how Christ emptied himself, and this is what we're going to look at this morning. He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Instead, he emptied himself. Number one, Jesus took the form of a servant. He took the form of a servant. So what does it mean that Jesus took the form of a servant. Well, last week we saw that Jesus, the Son of God, was in the form of God. He was in the form of God. And now we see that he's taking the form of a servant. What, is it, what did it mean that he was in the form of God? It, it means that he was truly God. There is no way in which he was less God than God the Father is God. He is truly equal with God, that verse is going to go on to say. He is is equal to God. He is 
truly and fully God. And then also, though, with that word form, you, you have the idea there that Jesus showed heaven the glory of God. That, that because God the Father is invisible. God the Spirit is invisible. Um, and, and Jesus, the, the, the Son of God, all of eternity past, the Son of God is visible. He, he showed heaven the glory of God. Truly God, and truly what God looks like. The glory of God on display. So now when it says he took on the form of God, or the, no, now he, now he says he took on the form of a servant, it means he took on the, the true nature of a servant. He is a servant from the inside out. He is completely and fully and truly a servant. And he is showing the people on earth what it looks like, what it truly looks like to be a servant. And this is because he wasn't just dressing up. He wasn't just playing a part. He took on the form of a servant. He took on the true nature of a servant from the inside out. And so, and it's, it's also very important for us to understand what Paul is referring to when he calls Jesus a servant. What does Paul mean when he says servant? What kind of servant is Jesus Christ? And so, it's important for us to see this. And this is, I did not, this is not coming for me. I did not come up with this by myself. Uh, smart people uh, helped me see this. This, uh, this I saw in commentaries and uh, and, and other teaching and from other scholars or from scholars and so this is credit to where credit is due. This does not come from me, but it is important to see this. And I've been fully convinced that this is what Paul is doing. When Paul is talking about Jesus Christ as a servant, Paul is referring back to Isaiah, to the different servant songs in Isaiah. Hundreds of years before Jesus would be born, um, Isaiah, um, I, I, Isaiah through, through, through Isaiah, God, would, God was foretelling, He was prophesying, He was promising that this servant would come. God calls Him, My servant. This is who Paul is referring to in Philippians chapter 2. There's a lot of close connections between the way Paul describes Jesus Christ and, and the way that Isaiah describes the, the suffering servant. These ones are just the ones from Isaiah 52 and 53. Paul says that, the, that, that Christ emptied Himself. Isaiah says that the servant poured his soul out. Paul says that Christ was born in the likeness of men. He is found in appearance as a man. Isaiah says that the servant had no form or majesty that we should look at him. No beauty that we should desire him. Paul says that Christ humbled himself. Isaiah says that the servant was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Paul says that Christ was obedient to the point of death. Isaiah says that the servant was cut off out of the land of the living. Paul says that Christ was obedient to death, even death on a cross. Isaiah says that the servant was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. 
And Paul says that because of all this, Christ is highly exalted. And Isaiah says that the servant shall be high and lifted up. He shall be exalted. Paul wants us to be sure that Jesus Christ, when we call Him the servant, He is indeed the servant that Isaiah foretold. He is the servant who was wounded for our transgressions. And then and we also have to see in this phrase, so, so he took on the form of a servant. He, so we, we looked at the form of a servant, but now we have to, I mean, we have to get a hold of that first phrase though. He took on. He, he took on the form of a servant. He took it on. He chose it. He volunteered for it. He, he knew what it would mean. He knew how it would go. He knew what it meant to be the Isaiah 53 servant and he volunteered for it. I uh, was listening to this um, podcast um, about the um, assassination of, of John F. Kennedy. Um, and, and, and there's so many things in that story that would have never happened today. I mean, just learned a lot of things the hard way that day. And, and JFK, the, 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 the day that he was assassinated, they had, they had already published this route that he was going to take. He was going to drive slowly so everybody could see him and wave at him, and he could wave at all of them. So he's driving slowly through the streets of Dallas, right? And his, his limousine is a convertible limousine. Um, and, and so he, there's no bulletproof glass. There's no nothing. There's all these high-rise buildings everywhere. It's a Secret Service nightmare. And, and, and also, JFK's um, his seat is raised up about 11 inches so that everybody can get a really good look at him. And and also, um, and that you may have already known just by looking at the pictures, but one thing I didn't know is that um, JFK had a terrible back condition. His his spine was just all messed up from some disease that he had, and so he wore this back brace everywhere he went. Anytime he was in public, he would wear this back brace because it kept him straight. And... Historians say that if he wasn't wearing that back brace because he got shot in the shoulder first, he, he very, very well may have just slumped over and the shot that got him, killed him, may have never, may have never gotten him. There's so many things that if JFK would know how that day was going to go, he'd say, well, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing that, I'm not doing any of this stuff. This the whole plan is terrible. I mean, it's almost, I mean, it's super morbid. So it's not funny unless you're, no, it's not funny at all. It's not funny, but it is, but it's just like so ironic. All of these choices they made. It's like they, I mean, it was, nobody would ever do any of that stuff again. Jesus knew. He knew. John 13, this is just a few, a few hours before Jesus is going to be betrayed and before he's going to be betrayed and arrested and tried and crucified. 
John 13.3 Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands and that He had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside His outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around His waist. Then He poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around Him. Jesus, the the hours before His crucifixion, He knew who He was. He knew that God had given all things to Him. How do you know that God has given all things to you? And then, what does Jesus do? He wants His his disciples to see what's happening. He wants them to see the incarnation. He wants them to see the crucifixion. He wants them to see His humiliation. What what, what theologians call His self-renunciation. He renounced Himself. He poured Himself out. He emptied Himself. He wants His disciples to see it. And so, he takes off the garments that would have shown that he is the Master. He is the Master. They are the followers. He is the Master in this house. He takes that garment off, which would have been unthinkable. Because now he just has this tunic on, and now he just looks like a slave. And then he takes a towel and ties it around his waist, which again, just looks exactly like a slave. And this honor-shame society that they lived in, this is unthinkable. And then he he bends over and does what a slave would do. He, he, He washes their feet. And he's showing them, everything has been given to me. I own everything. I'm sovereign over everything. And I have become a servant. And he knew. He knew what it meant to be the servant of Isaiah 53. Just a short while later, in Isaiah, I mean, sorry, in John 18. In John 18, uh, uh, just, it, it, it's, it's five chapters in John, but it's, it's not that long of time. It's that same evening. In John 18, verse 1, it says, When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, who also, Jesus had just washed Judas's feet. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers, from the chief priests and the Pharisees went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. And here's one of my favorite verses in all the book of John, and that's saying something because John's got a lot of good stuff in it. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? Jesus knew everything that he was going. He knew everything that was going to happen to him, and he and he instead of instead of going doing what I would have done, which is run as fast as I can away from there. 
He walks into it. He comes forward and he says, Hey guys, who are you looking for? Later on, Simon Peter, who isn't feeling about things the way Jesus is, and he had a sword with him, because of course he did. Verse 10, then Simon Peter having a sword, and I get this completely. I'm like, I'm like, I'm right, with, I'm right there with you, Pete. I get you. Having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. So he's, he's a good fisherman. He's not a good swordsman, right? I don't think he was saying, I don't think he was aiming for the right ear, okay? The servant's name was Malchus. Verse 11. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into its sheath. And then look at what he says. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Jesus knew what this cup was. It was the cup of God's wrath. Have you ever been have you ever been angry at sin? Have you ever been so angry at sin that you didn't you didn't know what you were going to do with yourself? Have you ever been so angry at sin that you don't even know where to turn with your anger? Your your anger for sin, your anger at sin, my anger at sin, it is nothing compared to God's holy, righteous anger towards sin. We've felt anger. We've felt anger about our own sin. We've felt anger about the sin of others. We, we, we have some little tiny sense of, of what it means to hate sin. To hate what sin does to people. To hate it. But our, our hatred for sin is nothing compared to the Father's hatred for sin. And He poured all of that out on Christ. Christ was made to be sin. The one who knew no sin was made to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. God the Father treated God the Son as if He were sin itself. And Jesus stepped into it knowing full well who He was, knowing full well what it meant to be the Son of God and to be the suffering servant. He took it on. He took on the form of a servant. So that's number one. Number two, second way He emptied Himself, Jesus was born in the likeness of men. Jesus is born in the likeness of men. In order to be the the servant that God the Father wanted him to be, and in order to be the servant that we needed him to be, Jesus must empty himself by being born in the likeness of men. So Jesus knew what it was to live as a man. And, And make no mistake, his 
His existence here on earth, His life here on earth, was a serious downgrade. Hebrews says Jesus is the high priest who, who can sympathize with all of our weaknesses. He is one who has, in every respect, been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus can sympathize with our weaknesses because He has lived a fully human life here on earth. And make no mistake, a a fully human life here on earth is a serious downgrade. The Son of God went from the glories of heaven where He did not have to deal with pain or fatigue or sickness or sorrow or anger or loneliness or temptation. He came from all of that to all of this. To a fully human life here on earth. He faced the afflictions that we face And where Hebrews says he had to prove his obedience to his father. He he could have been insulted by such an idea. But instead he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. Which is just another way that Jesus is different than Batman. And again, you're thinking, more more of this? I thought we had moved past Batman. You're the only one who cares about this company. Comparison. Quite possibly. But you know, Bruce Wayne just went from being this really, really cool, rich, awesome guy who the rules don't apply to to being another really, really cool guy who the rules don't apply to. He went from being one kind of impressive to another kind of impressive. In fact, maybe he's even a little bit cooler. Jesus doesn't go from the glories of heaven, to some other kind of, you know, pretty awesome thing. Jesus goes from the glories of heaven to Isaiah 53, where he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He left the glories of heaven to come and carry our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. He couldn't just kind of roll into town and do whatever he wanted to as if the rules don't apply to him. He came right down into our mess, and he had to fight temptation, he had to obey his father, he had to fulfill the law, he had to be obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross for sins that we have committed. came right down into this world to pay for our sins, to to carry our sorrows. I have a few friends, um, not very many, but I have have, um, a few uh, pastor friends, and we get together from time to time. 
and one of the things we do uh, every year around Christmas time um, is we get together and we have like a kind of a, just a fun lunch together, kind of a little end of the year celebration, um, and so when we get together for these things, we've been doing it for quite a few years, and it's just I, I it's a I like it. it's a it's a blessing and. We've been doing this for a few years, and uh, um, one, of these, one of these Christmas things we were doing, uh, you know, we're getting together, and it's, and it's, uh, it's supposed to be, like, lighthearted and, and, and fun, and it's not, we do have times throughout the year where we're sharing, um, you know, just some of the rough stuff, and we're encouraging each other and praying with each other, and um, and, and counseling each other, and, 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 um, but this one is, it's supposed to be fun, you know, um, there's never gifts involved, but it's fun, um, and, uh, and, you know, we're sharing funny stories, and, and then making what we think are funny comments about the other people's funny stories, and it's, um, but I came into the lunch with, um, uh, just a sorrow, it's a burden on my heart, um, a burden that would not lift. It was just, it was just sitting on me, the kind that make it hard to breathe. And, uh, and so we're talking, and then somebody asks me a question and it just unlocks that. And I just start talking. And I start sharing. And it was way more than any of them had bargained for. Because it did not fit the mood at all. I, I, I am good at making things awkward, but that's usually when I'm trying to be funny. This was sort of the opposite. And so they're great. They're, they ask really good questions, and they... And they, they cry with me, and they, they, they pray with me, and it's awesome. And then I say, I'm, I am sorry. I, this is not what, this is, this is kind of like our fun Christmas thing, and this is what I've done. And, and one of them, much wiser than me, uh, he, said, he said, don't be sorry. This is what Christmas is. This is what the incarnation is. It's the, it's the eternal, precious Son of God choosing to take the form of a servant. Choosing it. Knowing how it was going to go and choosing it to come right down into this mess that we have made with our own sin, with our own stupidity, with our own rebellion. He comes right down into this mess that we have made and he comes and he, he bears our griefs and he carries our sorrows. He heals us with his wounds. So, this morning, I say to you, I, I echo the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5. Paul says, we implore you on behalf of Christ, 
be reconciled to God. We implore you, we beg you, please be reconciled to God. Please repent of your sins. Please trust in Christ alone. We implore you. And then he says, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The The Son of God was treated as if He were sin itself. So that for all of eternity, we might be treated as if we are the righteousness of God. Please believe this good news. Please turn to this one who emptied himself, took on the form of a servant, born in the likeness of men. Humbled himself to the point to the point of obedience on the death by death on a cross. He is the servant who has come to seek and save the lost. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ. I pray that you would keep it ringing in our ears. We pray that the that the, that the mercy the the plenteous mercy that is found in the grace of Jesus Christ would be plenty for us. We have made a mess here on earth. And you in your kindness sent your Son to pay for our sins to make us clean before You. To carry our sorrows. To heal our wounds. We are so thankful. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.